the latest Studs Up, brought to you by Ozchecker and Skybet in the company of myself, Holly Bell, and my Studs Up strike partner, Charlie Austin, where each week we delve into the worlds of football and racing, building up to the Cheltenham Festival, which is just a few weeks away now. Uh, as always, later on in the programme, we'll be joined by a special guest, and we've got a cracker for you this week. But first, let's say a very uh, warm hello to my Studs Up strike partner, Charlie Austin, who's banged in a winner once again. Well done, Chaz. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, good, good. What a what a, a brilliant result for QPR at home to Brentford, and you must be buzzing having netted the winner. Yeah, mate. Wednesday night is a local derby, big game for us, and look, we went one behind him for thirty minutes. We were we weren't out of the races, but look, we got after him second half, and we deserved to come out on top again. Got the winner, so it was a, a big moment for me again. Brentford are definitely in the hunt to, to win the league for automatic promotion. They always seemingly are. What did you make of them? For me, we see clips of them against Barnsley and, and see if we got after them and got stuck into them as such. Then they may shy away from that term of football. They're good football inside, but you need players that can do the dirty side, as, as our guests will, will know when he comes on and speaks about the football side. But look, for me, I think they're one or two players short to get promoted and that's just my honest opinion even though they have got 24 goal Ivan Tony playing down the middle was he class well class yes but he's a box man when he's in that when he's in that box and he comes alive and it shows that yesterday oh, on Wednesday night so the free kick comes in and he's he's first to react helps it on his way and it, it goes in 24 goals with 19 games to go I said to him after the game, I said, you've got to be looking at 40. And he kind of laughed. But I know deep down as the striker that he is, he will be looking at 40 goals. Well, loads to get through, as always, on, on Studs Up. We'll be turning our attention to the latest football news, racing news as well. There is some brilliant racing to look forward to this weekend. So we'll be previewing that. We'll give you the Studs Up double. Charlie's rant we will have the Studs Up hat trick, which will be... Uh, hosted by Charlie and I, but we'll feature our special guest this week. So without further ado, let's say a very warm welcome to our Studs Up guest, a man that Jack Grealish described as his hero, Celtic and Aston Villa legend, 105-time international cap for Bulgaria. Uh, hello to Stan Petrov. Stan, thanks for joining us. How are things? Hello, guys. Oh, it's great. Obviously, it's, it's great to see Charlie happy, playing against, scoring goals. This is what the strikers are about. You know, you can see a very confident man. That's what he wanted to do all his career, scoring goals, and he's he's doing it again. And it's great to see. Uh, I haven't seen his goal yet, but I'll definitely upload it tonight. I'll tell you, and it have would have a been look. a one-yard tap instead. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just going to butt in here, chaps. Right place, right time, left foot, caress towards the goal, helped on by Rico Henry, deflection into the bottom corner. Deflection. All it says, Austin, two Brentford won. Game over. <laughs> Prolific. Love it. Love I'm it. Putting, Love I'm it. putting the good form down to uh, to the studs up effect. Ever since the podcast happened, I think QPR have won five of their last six and they're, they're flying at the moment. Confidence must be sky high. And it's great to see, as you say, a smile on your face. And one man who has got a smile on his face at the moment, Stan, is a man that I mentioned at the top there who says that you're his hero, Jack Greenish. Do you remember them playing with him in, your, uh, in his younger days at Villa? I have. Listen, I remember him very well. I had to run uh, beside him. I had to kick him. I had to make sure that, you know, I, I get that ball off, off him. But uh, I'm really happy and I'm really delighted to see the way uh, Jack Greeley has developed himself, not just as a footballer, but as an individual as well, becoming captain of Villa. 
But since the first day he joined us at the first at the first team, we could see that he've got the ability to to be something special. Uh, he came first day, he picked the ball, you drive, you take us three, 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 four players on, you score a goal, we'll kick him, you'll go and get the ball again, and you're thinking, this is something special. But what I would mention, he, at that time, he had a very a very special coach. Um, uh, his name is Kevin McDonald. So every time, every time he trains with the first team, he will always demand from Jack Grealish to come back to the under-21 or under-23 to make sure he learned his straight. He learned that to deserve to be in the first team, you have to work. You have to put more effort than anybody else. So I've definitely seen that. We've definitely seen his potential. We've definitely seen how special he is. But he has managed to do that himself by listening and learning and developing in the right way. So would you say that Jack Grealish is slightly, um, not necessarily now, but certainly in the earlier stages of his career, would be slightly um, misrepresented in terms of fan opinion, not necessarily Villa fan, but generally? Because by the sounds of it, he's someone who puts in a lot of extra hours off, off, the, off the pitch. Um, would that be fair to say? Yeah, he, he does put uh, a lot of effort off the pitch, uh, on the pitch as well, because he knows that if he wants to be the best, if he wants to compete the best, if he wants to achieve uh, uh, everything that he, he wants to achieve, he has to change his, his uh, way of thinking, way of preparation. He has definitely done that. I mean, I've, uh, I've managed to play with him. I've managed to, to, be, uh, 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 to have a great friendship uh, as well. And I've seen how he works how he adapted to the modern football. I mean, his regime, the way he worked work a lot, um, his attention to details is completely different now. His, his day-to-day regimes, are he'll go to training, he'll train, train with the group, then he'll do his extra after training, go back, sleep, and then he'll go back in the evening. He'll, back, he'll get back to 5, 6 o'clock in the evening, and he'll work until 9 o'clock. I mean, if you've seen pictures, if you've seen the development of Jack Grealish, about five years ago to what is he now. He's built up his upper body. I mean, he always had the strong legs, but now he's balanced, his power, he's quicker off the mark. So you can only achieve that if you do work, if you put extra effort, extra work. So he has definitely done that and he's improving and developing in the right way. I guess your career, when we look back at what was just a brilliant career for you, Stan, it, it sort of all kicked off in many ways. You became a sort of household name on, on these these shores, if you like, when you when you went to Celtic. Just tell us how that move came about. Yeah, well, um, it started very interesting. I uh, I I was away. I was away with my friends uh, in the seaside. The season has finished. I've played for the national team against England. We drew one one. At that time, uh, I only had money to go with, with friends on a holiday after the season. I, I couldn't pay my mobile bills. So the club tried to reach me. They tried to find me because they had a, a, a huge offer from, from Celtic. Uh, they couldn't find me for, for a day. They tried to call somebody else that I, I was with. So in a space of, um, of one week, I, they had to find me, they had to uh, uh, send a, a driver to pick me up from the seaside, take me to Sofia. And the next day, I was flying to Glasgow with two, with two pair of shirts and one pair of trousers. And they said to me, it will be a quick deal, medical, you go back home. Ten days later, I was still in Glasgow. I had to wash my, uh, I had to wash my stuff. I had to make sure that I'm still quite nice. If, if I sign, they have to take picture. So 
it was a great experience uh, for me, guys. Uh, it happened very quickly. Uh, at that time, for me, it wasn't important about the money. For me, it was important to follow my dreams, to go and play, develop, become better player and individual as well. So that opportunity came. And as a young boy, I just grabbed it. I just grabbed it without thinking, what's the challenges? What's the, ch- uh, the culture? What I have to deal with? And I'm ready for it. I just went, I want to go. I don't want, I will think about everything else after. I've got one big one for you. And Stan, if we're talking about you was just going to go and go, go take it all on head to heads on. Do you know what I mean? You was going to attack it. Did you speak a word of English? <laughs> not at all. Uh, Charlie, not at all. Uh, I, I couldn't speak the word of English. And sometimes we talk about uh, people we surround ourselves. I remember the agent who done the deal. That's the time when actually the agents were coming up yeah. to that stage. You know, you have to have an agent to, to do a transfer. So he sent me, he sent me on, on my own. Uh, that was my first trip alone uh, as an individual through the airports to Glasgow. I got lost in Zurich. Um, I had to catch an, an, another plane, no word of English. I've landed, uh, I, I walked through the doors and it was all the Scottish media waiting. I mean, young boy, international player coming out. I'm on my own, no word of English, no interpreter. That was me. Yeah. And that time I actually realized what I've done. Ooh. What I've done was how, the way how out. Old, how old were you? 19 years old. Wow. 19 years old. I've just... Uh, I had to go through a national service, so I, six months uh, before that, I had to I had to finish my national service. Wow. I just got back playing football. I I didn't know anything about the culture, moving abroad on my own, only 19 years old. That was my next step. That was my next next adventure. Did you work in a burger van? I did to I pick did. up on the language. What? How did that come about? I did well. He, Listen, guys. I, I, <laughs> I, when I when I read it, I, I, when going, I, read it, I thought it. it was utter nonsense. Ollie, I can, I, no, Stan, sorry, Ollie. Not only have you read it nonsense, one of Stan's former players messaged me in the week saying, "Can you ask? <laughs> good one to mention. How we learned English was it by a burger van? So <laughs> I just just never heard of it. I know everybody has their own special way of learning English language, but that's got to be a new one." It's a it's interesting one, uh, Charlie. And like you say, everybody uh, find different ways. At that time, and uh, obviously with most of the clubs now, you have player liaisons. They sort everything for the players. The players are looked after. At that time, there was not such a role. Uh, Celtic haven't had uh, such a role. I was throwing to players. I mean, we we had to, we had Marviduka, Elbekovic. We we had all international Paul Lambert. You know, all international Tom Boyd. I mean, they're all international players, all experienced players. So all of a sudden, a young boy coming through, through, through the ranks there, I wasn't prepared. I knew about the club. I didn't know about the culture, no family, no word of English. So people, people at that club, are, we are, we are hungry for success. We don't have time for you to adapt or show how good <laughs> you are. You have to fit in. Yeah. yeah. And I've, exper- I've experienced this uh, uh, very quickly. Obviously, John Barnes was the manager at that time, and Kenny, uh, Kenny DeGlish was uh, involved as well. So they, they tried to have the success. I couldn't understand anything. Uh, I couldn't get a fit in into that dressing room. I was going through a very difficult time. And it came a moment when I decided, 
I had to change that. For me to do that, I had to learn the language. This is the priority. Why? Because I wanted to fit into the dressing room. Me, me and Charlie, we've been in a yeah. dressing room. If you don't get accepted in a dressing room, you're out of the door. doesn't matter yeah. how you good you are. Uh, you're out of the door. So for me, the priority is learn the language, fit into the environment, go and speak with the players, find out what they're, what they're, uh, they're about. So what I had to do is I had to do it on my own. So what I've done is cinema every, every, every single day. I had to go on a cinema I'll finish training, I'll have a two hours sleep, and then I'll do two movies. By watching the movies, I'll watch it, and I'll just get a little phrase. It's like, how are you? I'll see how they reply. And the next day, I will go and practice it. I'll go in the morning and, how are you? Uh, to certain player, and you say, I'm fine, how are you? So that's the conversation will start with me. So all of a sudden, the player was like, oh, he's making the effort. Yeah. He would like to help. Imagine if it was Scarface that you'd watch and you come in and say hello to my little friend. You <laughs> go, what you understand? Ollie, I'll tell you what there. Day. Ollie, I'll give you one there. For a 19-year-old man doing that, that shows why Stan Wentz have the career he has and it's already demonstrating leadership qualities. Me being in a yeah, dressing room definitely. as well as Stan, realise that the, the international players coming in, one, learn the language, so important. We can all speak football language. But you need to learn the language and to buy into what the culture is at the time at the football club. Yeah, and, and there's lots on that, actually, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, because nowadays the game probably, well, you've mentioned there, stand so many Scottish internationals. So it's probably quite a heartbeat of Scottish players at Celtic. But now if you look in the Premier League squads, most of the team are made up by foreign players, not English players, um, predominantly. Um, so that might have changed slightly. But... I can't let you not tell the story about you flipping burgers, Stan. So um, how did once you've done the movies, how did you get to the burger van? Well, I became uh, I became very friendly with one of the security guys. Uh, it's Colin. Obviously, he realized that uh, I'm struggling uh, every time after the game. I wait for a taxi. So one day he he just he just offered to take me back home. Obviously, he spoke with uh, with one of the assistant coaches, uh, Tommy Burns. Uh, who's a huge uh, uh, Celtic man. And he said to him, oh, that would be really nice if you can take, take Stylian back home. So from that, what, that day, he realized that I'm struggling. He realized that I need, I need help. So every, every morning, he will say, from now on, I'll pick you up from, uh, from, uh, in the morning. I'll take you to training. I'll come and pick you up and I'll help you with the shopping and everything else. So he realized I don't understand a word of English. So we started step by step by learning how, if I get injured, what I need to understand, part of the bodies, what is what, how I need to explain it. So we started building up uh, himself and his wife were running a burger van. So he noticed that we went for a, for a meal and I couldn't order. I didn't know what to say. I was just pointing. This, the, the, the worst sign, you know, like, this is the best language we say. But he said to him, you know what, what is going to be really good for you? Obviously, we have a lot of clients coming through through the burger van, the place order. So you can understand how everything works. So I've seen some polite orders. I've seen some not polite orders as well. <laughs> uh, so I, I will sit behind behind the, the counter and I, I will listen. People come and he, he will say, may I have or can I have? So he say, if he say, may I have, that's his more polite uh, way of, of asking. So I will just build up. I'll just make sure that I'll, from the puzzle, I'll just build up and I'll make myself stronger. So all of a sudden, I saw that the players like Jackie McNamara, Paul Lambert, 
Mark Birchiu, you know, Mark Viduk. Obviously, with Mark, we could speak a little bit of, I speak Bulgarian, he speaks Serbian, so we could, we could have a, a conversation. But then I can see the team is accepting me. The team is like, okay, what is your hardest beat? What, what, what you want to work at? I can speak with the fitness coaches about what I'm struggling with, uh, what I'm struggling with, how I want to get better, what I need to do, how much I need to run. I didn't know anything about it. I was just 19 years old boy. I, I literally played about one and a half year of professional football in Bulgaria. And all of a sudden, you throw into a club very rich in the history, the demand, the fan base. And I'm like, I want to be part of it. I want to I wanna be part of it, but I will do anything that takes me uh, to be successful in that club. But even if I have to go and listen in a burger van, a lot of people laugh about it, but I'm really proud because I found a difficult way, a difficult and interesting way to learn and adapt to a certain situation. You had some real characters in that Celtic side that you mentioned. Chris Sutton um, came in there. Martin O'Neill um, took over from John Barnes, who is your first manager when he joined Celtic. And I know Martin, well, I'm assuming he became quite a big influence on your career, given not only your relationship with him at Celtic, but at Villa. What was he like as a manager? Well, at the start, uh, we had a, a very interesting relationship. At the start, when I went back, when he took over and we went back to for a pre-season, uh, obviously I had a good summer. Charlie, know when uh, we as a players go away <laughs> in the summer, uh, before it used to be like a, a full full pelter, full power, go, enjoy, have a drink, <laughs> then we'll lose the weight, we'll lose everything in, the, in six weeks pre-season. But when I go back, I was overweight. Uh, we'd done a blip test. Uh, and uh, Martin O'Neill thought that I was one of the uh, masseurs trying to get fit with the boys. It, it didn't mean literally knew that I was a player because I was always, I know, <laughs> I know, I can see your Stand. <laughs> It's crazy. But a week later, a week later, he, he pulled me in the office and uh, it was very straightforward. Yeah. It was, that's why I always liked it. We as a players, we like people to be honest with us. Yeah. Playing, not playing, going through difficult times. Just be honest. Why not? What we need to do? Can we do it? No, we move away. So he said to me one thing. I've been watching you in the last, uh, in the last week. I can see you've got ability. I think you can play a big part in my plans. But I want you to do, to do one thing. And I'm going to give you six weeks. So that's, that was his rules. Six weeks, we've gone on a preseason in America. We've got seven, uh, seven preseason uh, pre games. Let's see if you can lose the weight. I had to lose eight and a half kilos, Charlie. Now, you know what is eight and a half kilos? Eight and a half kilos is a struggle. Wow. It's a literally struggle. Wow. So we went to Florida. We were playing games. We were training, uh, uh, we were training once a week. Uh, I had to pull away uh, the fitness coach. I had to pull away the physio. I had to make sure they put a plan for me. So you know when we go on the preseason, you train, and most of the boys will go and play golf. They'll go to different places. They'll do stuff. Not for me. I wasn't eating. I was eating literally dust, greens. That's me. Because I had a target, and my target is, is to stay in a team, to make sure that the manager, Martin O'Neill, when these six weeks, uh, when these six weeks finish, you will go, I'm happy with that. You stay in and I'm going to give you a chance. So I had to work extra, extra, extra time. I have to do double sessions every day. I have to make sure I'm in an ice bath all the time. So yeah. I don't, I can't get any, uh, any injuries. I get injuries, I'm gone. Done. So six weeks after that, he looked at me, uh, we went back. And the first thing he said to me, because I was on a very low wages and uh, 
this is another issue that I had to do, financial issues when, when I signed in. The first thing he did, he did for me is said, I'm happy with what you've done. I've seen your progress. I've seen the way you're working. I love it. First of all, I, I would like to offer you a new contract because you, de you deserve better. And the, since that day, Charlie, you know how, how important is that? You've worked with some manager for a longer period of time. Since that day, I said to myself, I'm going to run through a brick wall for this man. Whatever he say, if he thinks that I'm bad, I'm good, I love the way you work. I just have to be honest and I have to put the work. As soon as I do that, he'll count on me. And that is, and I think that's what you want as a player. You want a manager to get, reward you when you do well and almost a manager to let you know when you haven't. So for him to come out and say that to you is one that you'd want to obviously run for a brick wall. And if we're going to talk about running through brick walls or attacking brick walls, do we uh, need to talk <laughs> about uh, the Bobo Baldi situation? What's you like? Oh, to... how you heard about that one? Come on, Stan. We need to do our research <laughs> when our guests that. come on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where should I start, guys? Uh, you know, in the dressing room, we always have disputes. We always had arguments. Um, I've picked. I, I think I've picked up the the wrong guy. I remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just a, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Uh, we were, we were fighting for the title. Uh, when you're a Celtic, you fight for the title all the time. Uh, we had um, two ga uh, two, three, games, three games to go. Uh, I think we beat Rangers away at Tybrox uh, 2-0. So we went five, five points ahead, uh, three games to go. So the next home game, we were playing, uh, we were playing against uh, Hibonian at home. Uh, I remember we, we were leading the game and Bobo made, uh, Bobo made uh, two mistakes for the goals. So on the pitch, I was giving him Bobo, we've told you, play it safe, get the ball out of the pitch. Uh, it's a big game for us. And he, he was just, Bobo was looking at us, he, he wasn't saying anything. So the game finished, I'm going back in first. Uh, I'm screwing, I'm, I, 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 I don't like to lose. I, I'm a bad loser. I respect it, but I'm really, really bad loser. So I'm really, uh, I'm boiling. I'm literally burning inside out. Bobo is walking in and I'm going for him. I'm like, Bobo, I've told you, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. You should know better. We've been, in this, we've been in this situation. Just concentration. He got stand shut up. And I kept going and I kept going. And he's getting more aggressive and I kept going. So I stop, Bobo comes down. Neil Lennon walks in. <laughs> he goes, for fuck's sake, Bobo. That was it. That was it. He just, he just stood up and I could see him just going for me. So the time I seen Jim Henry, who is a quite a fitness guy who, who wanted to stop Bobo, John Robertson, they tried to stop him. He just threw them over the massage beds. Now he's coming closer. Chris Sutton, like he always said, he tried to protect me. He didn't try to protect me. <laughs> he did himself in the, in the locker. Alan Thompson tried to protect. He opened one of the sides of his, of his locker. Bobo just pushed it, pushed Tomo inside his locker. Now he's the last, I'm the last person. So he grabbed me by the, by the, by the throat. He lifted me up. Guys, I swear, his eyes were that size. I could see I'm, I'm dying here. And all of a sudden, he just realized and he dropped me. And everybody on, uh, on the, dre on, on the dressing room was like silent. 
he just ran and he just went with his kid inside the, the sauna. Uh, so I was like, I was in shock. I was like, oh my god, what happened? Sounds utterly the boys, the, bo- the boys were like looking at me, looking at the manager, the manager not saying a word. And it was a huge silence. So I kind of escaped that one. On the next day, this is what uh, teams and dressing room is about. We were very strong individuals, strong characters. We we wanted to win. And the next day, we shake shake up hands. We we straighten things up. Straighten things up. Uh, everything was was forgotten. But at that moment, guys, uh, I told I was gone. But. I think that's a sign. <laughs> that's a sign of a good dressing room, though, Ollie. Next day, shaking the hands and like that. Have you ever um, had a scrap in the dressing room, Chaz, with someone that ultimately was in a different league <laughs> and weight category to you? No, I've been quite fortunate. My vocals have kind of been very. I've gone with that one. The vocals been quite loud. I've picked my uh, my sparring partners. That's why I've got you opposite me. I've picked my sparring partners. Very <laughs> good, mate. Light for light. No, mate, it's just, it happens heat of the moment, don't it? I'll tell you what, the closest I see, we played um, Chelsea for Saints and got beat 3-2. Mark Hughes was the manager and Sofiane Bouffel was in, didn't come on. And we got beat, everyone was fuming and he was like stroping around because he obviously sulking because he never come on. Mark Hughes was raging, mate, I promise you. I thought he was going to knock him out. He had like a cup of water, a cup of tea in his hand and he just kind of gritted you and said, don't. Why are, you, why are you like sulking? He launched a tear on his thing. He didn't even give a talk after the game, just stormed out. Mad, that was the closest. About one thing, I'll just just going forward, Stan, for you on, on, on your on your career. Obviously, when you went was at Celtic, then you went to Aston Villa. Was it, you've gone from Celtic to winning trophies and fighting for the top end of the Scottish League, then to come to Aston Villa. Did you find the their mentality of Aston Villa to not win trophies, but to to compete as high as they could in the Premier League. What was the difference that you found being at Aston Villa to Celtic? You know, well, for me to uh, move into to Villa, Martin O'Neill played a, a huge part because uh, I was on the way to, uh, to sign for Portsmouth with, uh, with Harry Redknapp. And uh, the, the move was switched to, to Villa in, in the space of a, a few hours. Uh, obviously, they, they, they decided to up the beat and uh, give better um, better opportunity for me. Obviously, I've worked with uh, with Martin O'Neill. He said to me one thing: there's going to be a a, a, lo- a little bit a longer process. But if I trust him, like I've trusted him at Celtic, he'll make sure he'll bring that uh, winning mentality again. What I was really struggling with uh, with Charlie when I when I uh, when I get come came to Covilla when I signed for Villa. Is sometimes when I, when I was playing for Celtic, we, we couldn't afford if we draw a game, if we drop drop a point, that means that you lose the league. That's it. You know that's the happening. So when I came uh, here, it was ve- really difficult for me to understand. Players will will go away and they'll come out with the point and they go, oh, that's a good point. For me, it was like, no, that's that's not a good point. This is we'll draw two three games and say, oh, we haven't lost the game. It, it's good. So for me, it was to understand that. How that worked, it was really strange for me. But you know what? Martin O'Neill started doing little changes. He started bringing different players, different characters. 
people with that, that want to achieve gold mines that you know what they've been to to better i mean he brought john carew john carew was you know playing european cha uh, uh, champions league finals european finals he was successful with valencia so he was that that type of uh, character i mean ashley young you've got stewie downing obviously you you had Gareth buddy uh at that time there so you can see he's building up he's building up with the characters that you want to have a, su a success we we had a very we played a couple of times against against each other. We we had a very difficult team to beat. We had the great characters. We had winners. We had people that demand from from each other. So we went to the we you know we we don't uh, we couldn't win the the final. But I thought we were very unlucky. We've been to the semi final. So we 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 finished top six and uh, uh, and three years in a row. So you can see the mentality was changing. And I, I was part uh, part of that uh, that mentality, and he wanted me to be the part of that mentality because I had that mentality as well. So that was the only downfall, and that's why I couldn't understand players who agree with that much rather than go for the big uh, targets. I think Stan, I think if we're talking about projects, and you and Martin O'Neill sold you the Villa project, and you trusted that, you named players like you did, but uh, you named John Carew. I mean, you've gone on and let you he come in. What, what have I got here? One memorable Villa was when John Carew was caught in a strip club in the morning in the UEFA Cup game against Ajax. What are you thinking? Like, what are you as a, pl a pro? What are you thinking as a teammate? And are you thinking, John, you could have waited 24 hours and took me <laughs> with you. Listen, John was a different, uh, different, uh, different person. John was man on man on his own. John would live his life by the way he thinks is right for him. Uh, I, I can't fault him for him because uh, a, a huge part of my captaincy was when John was there. What you have to realize, and probably you've come ag across a, a lot of these players, some people will live their life in a different way. Yes. But it's about how you're going to make them uh, uh, succeed as a team and how they're going to progress as a team on Saturday. That's what it's all about. Coaches, players, we live for Saturday. This is what it's all about. Results, achievements. So we knew that John would, would travel, he would do his own thing. But uh, going back to the story you, you're talking about with John is actually the previous day, the night before, he told us that he's not well. So we didn't know the full, st <laughs> full story. So obviously, Gaffer knew about the full story. They didn't uh, disclose to, to any of us. Uh, John wasn't in the squad. He didn't, pay, he didn't play. Obviously, we went and, uh, and beat uh, CSK uh, uh, Moscow. So it was, it, it was great. And then on the next day, the story comes out in the press and we were like, huh? Johnny say, Johnny say he wasn't well. So <laughs> you know listen, the, ba the banter was good. I think uh, a few of the boys tried to bring a pole in the middle of the, of the dressing room uh, uh, in the following week. So we accept John and, and John is that kind of person because Martin knew John as well. We knew John as well. Yeah. The following week, I think he, he played and he scored as well. So, this is was about knowing people that you share a dressing room, know their personalities, and what they can, what they can offer. Not everybody's perfect, Charlie. We, you know what? We haven't, we didn't judge each other. We yeah. judge each other of what we're doing on the pitch and how you respect your teammates. Sometimes you can go offline, you can do certain things. We all done it, and uh, you know what? End of the days, what people think of you. Uh, we thought of John as 
is the perfect fit for what we need. I've been, I've been watching that um, last dance about the Chicago Bulls and um, the way Phil Jackson managed each of the individual players, Jordan, Dennis Rodman, who would go off to Vegas sort of the day before an important game. And, and he sort of knew exactly how each individual needed to be man-managed to get the best out of them. And I thought it was utterly fascinating that from a man-management point of view. And clearly Martin knew what he needed to do with, with John. So when we sort of look back at the times with with Celtic and Villa and some incredible memories. I, I, I know that becoming captain of Villa was a huge, um, a hugely proud moment in your career and rightly so, but moving it forward to where those clubs are at now, because it's kind of, in many ways, role reversal to a certain extent, because Celtic aren't flying as we would expect them to do normally and Villa are doing brilliantly at the moment. So let's start with Celtic, Stan. What, what is your take on what's going on there at the moment? Oh, uh. Well, it's it's a very difficult situation, obviously, with uh, one of the most important seasons, you know, with the ten in a row. Uh, I know Neil Lennon is experiencing uh, very uh, very difficult at the moment. He's he's under huge is uh, under huge pressure because of Steven Gerrard doing so well. I I think Steven Gerrard, you know, taking uh, two two and a half years ago, he have managed to build a very strong competitive team. Uh, I think Celtic have kind of gone a little bit. Uh, uh, a little bit sloppy on, on the way of building up, making sure that they, they're going to uh, progress in that, uh, that gap. But they've managed, they haven't managed to do that. So it's a huge, uh, huge uh, decisions going forward for Celtic, not just for Neil Lennon as a manager, but for the board as well. What they're going to do, who, are they going to make a change or are they going to stick with him for the next season, which is going to be a, a very, a very interesting decision to see. I was uh, speaking to the, the former England cricketer, James Taylor, who had a serious heart problem. I don't know whether you've ever come across him, Stan or Charlie, but he's a, a thoroughly lovely guy. And we were chatting about his heart condition and his recovery in hospital. And I know that uh, most people who are listening or what, indeed watching this will be aware of your own illness, um, Stan, where you um, you battled cancer and, and, and beat cancer. And um, uh, I think as we've learned through this podcast, you are a a wonderfully kind and generous man, but also a real fighter and very competitive. So it's no surprise that you had such a positive outlook throughout that. But what I was speaking to, to James about was that when he was recovering in hospital, that we hear a lot of negative stuff about social media, but he said that the support and well wishes that he got from social media was a real lift. Did having such loyal and passionate supporters to clubs that you were associated with allied to the fact of that weight of support on social media help you through your cancer struggle? Yeah, I, I always say uh, one thing, uh, guys, that I, I, was, uh, um, I was a very fortunate man because a lot of people, when they go through uh, cancer battles or any illness uh, battles, they fight, they fight on their own. I had the, 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 the support of millions, not just football fans, people around, around the world. I had so many positive messages. I had so many, so many encouraging messages uh, as well. I mean, I had a letter from Lance Armstrong. You know, how many people can can uh, can get letters? You know, from from me, from from the Prince. You know, so I've been I've been overwhelmed. But uh, what I would like to say on my situation for the first fourteen months, I couldn't see that because I was constantly in in a hospital. I was in a very intensive uh, treatment, a lot of chemotherapies. I was always tired. I've gained a lot of weight. I, I didn't want people to see me. So in in the same in the same uh, in the same um, uh, pages, 
sometimes I just wanted to close myself in and just, I don't want anybody to see him. I don't want anybody to talk about Stylian Petrov, you know, what he's going through me because I still thought that was a dream rather than reality. So sometimes, you know, having that, it's great, but sometimes it's like, oh, it's coming too much. But at the end, when I went through it and I've realized that how, how important that was for me, now I encourage others to be supported and I'm trying to support others as well. And as we know, it's, a, it's an awful illness. It affects pretty much everyone at some point of their life, be it directly or indirectly, will be affected by cancer. And there'll be lots of people listening and watching this that maybe are struggling themselves or indeed know someone who is going through it. So um, without dwelling on it too much, because there's so much more I want to talk to you about your life about, and it does, certainly doesn't define you, but what would your message be to people who are experiencing something similar to what you went through? Belief, belief and fight. That's why. That's what. That's what kept me going. Uh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to give up on my life, guys. Uh, what I'll say to them: appreciate and uh, uh, appreciate every little things in your life. I I still smile every day because I was close to lose my life. Uh, I was. They, they won't get. They wasn't giving me any insurances about what the outcome would be. So I wasn't ready to give up. I believe. I fought very hard. Because I want to be part of my children, children growing up, my wife. I wanted to be part of that life because I wasn't ready to give up. So believe and fight. That's what you have to do. And while you're doing that, enjoy, enjoy every single moment. I mean, the football was taken away from me. Now, when we started the, uh, the, the, the podcast, you know, seeing Charlie talking with such an enthusiasm and smile and relief, you know, makes me happy because... It was taken away from me, and I, I, I miss it until today. You know, I will always miss it. This is this was my purpose, and you know what? It's great to see players talking about with such a relief and excitement about football. But for me, now is I can cherish what I've done before and I've, what I've been through. Yeah, it's um, it's remarkable, and as I say, the cancer doesn't define you, but I think that strength, that fight, and that drive um, has defined what's been a remarkable career. And um, just reflecting on it with those incredible memories was um, was really, really good fun. It probably wasn't um, sort of quite as fun as you remembering when Bobo Balde um, pinned you up against a locker, but it was certainly entertaining for us. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move on to the racing section of Studs Up now, though, because um, this is a big part of what we do. And we're building up to the Cheltenham Festival. And Chaz, I've got to say, there is some unbelievable racing coming up this weekend. Like massive. And you think, do you know what I'm really pleased about? Obviously, last weekend was a, wasn't the best racing, but we've managed to keep the Newbury card. We've moved it to to Sunday, which was which is very important because, like I say, that gives us like the a step to Cheltenham. But we've got the Ascot chase on on um saturday was a big meeting there which we're looking forward to surname can he go and do his stuff because look i think it all leads to where every owner hopefully fingers crossed can get to but do you know what i mean every owner wants their horse to run at cheltenham and be part of the big meeting so i'm glad we've got the 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 final stepping stone as such to to the meeting yeah, that's a good way of putting it as well, because it is for these horses the last chance to run and sort of get yeah. fit, if you like, or, or, or prepare themselves for the for the sort of cup final, if you like, which is Cheltenham Festival. When you look at the horses that are running this weekend, I mean, it is just a feast for racing fans, because not only have you got 
Clandazobo's surname, as Charlie mentioned, Goshen in the Kingwell Hurdle at Wincanton. You've also got the very competitive Betver Hurdle, which is a hugely competitive handicap. And then, as well as that, on Sunday, you've got the dual Grand National winner, Tiger Roll, who's back in the Boyne Hurdle, a race he won at 25 to 1 a couple of years ago. The weights for the Grand Nationals came out earlier in the week, and that's when each horse is allocated a certain weight that they carry in the race, technically to make it a level playing field. That's the hope of the handicapper. And and Tiger Roll is, is back on the, the path to make history. And it, just in terms of what do you reckon it would do for the sport, Charlie, if Tiger Roll was to win a third Grand National? People's horse. It's the people's horses as well documented. Mm. Just to quit, I'm not going away from Tiger Roll, but Album Photo wins three gold cups. Does that get the same amount as exposure as what Tiger Roll would to win three nationals? No, no exactly. No Do you know what I mean? So no for way. me, I'd love to see him run. I'd love to see him take his chance and go on and win. And I think the whole country, the whole nation, everyone that looking on to the Grand National would love him to run. Do you know what I mean? And, and look, Michael O'Leary, by any chance you are listening to this, let him run. Big let him run, that. please. <laughs> yeah, we hope he runs. We'll see him on Sunday in the Boyne Hurdle. But um, as we say, there's some terrific racing to look forward to. I'll, I'll ask you in more detail about some of the horses we'll see this weekend, Chaz, in a moment. But Stan, was racing a thing at all growing up in Bulgaria? Was it something you were aware no, of? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh uh, I've seen some friends been interesting about the the horse racing, but but I haven't since. Uh, but when I moved to uh, to UK, then I really realized how big is it. I've been to chest of chest of races. I've really enjoyed it. The atmosphere, the build up. I've put cap, I've hmm. put cap. I'm not I'm not a big gambling man. I've put couple bets, and I'll tell you what. I wanted to be smart. Uh, everybody's saying, "Oh, this is the favorite. This is win," and I'm going, "No, no, no, no. I'm going to go for this one." I'll tell you what. Not even close. Not <laughs> even close. But tell, Stick with the experts. Yes, but tell, you, you know, it's, uh, I love watching it. I've got a lot of friends who goes and they experience the, the atmosphere, the races. I've never been to it. I've never been to it and I, I'd like to go. I hope that uh, soon we can go back to some kind of normality and then they'll allow people to go and watch it again. I, I'll definitely want to experience it one day, but... I always want to be part of it, but I, I, I definitely pay attention to it on a t- on, on a TV. And I think it's a it's a fantastic day out. And, and Stan, you mentioned your time going to Chester you, uh, races. Are you, which is Ollie, where, are you allowed to drink on those races at Chester? Yeah, anyway, I wasn't drinking last time. Yeah. Are you allowed to? <laughs> yeah, you can have a drink there if you want, Stan. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll buy you a drink. <laughs> As a thank you for doing this. Yeah, no, you, you can, yeah. Obviously, uh, all drinking in moderation to anyone going racing, please, and drink responsibly. But uh, yeah, no, you can. It's one of the things about going races, though, isn't it? I'm sure when you were at the races, you would have seen people enjoying the drinks, dressing up, the social occasion. And actually, Charlie, this week, we heard that Chester are planning for the May meeting to have 5,000 racegoers who will be tested on the day, etc. And, and hopefully it can be a way of getting fans back I'll coming tell you racing. what, mate, it is so good to see a race course getting on the front foot and saying, right, we're going to make our meeting, our signature meeting is what it is, for the year happen. This is how we're going to do it. And this is, this is the way. And they're already putting the one, two, three, four steps forward in what they're going to do. They're going to fund the COVID testing. 5,000 spectators in throughout the day. It was three, four days. Listen, it's great. It's great to see them grabbing the ball by the horns as such and, and showing other courses 
what and the way to do it, I guess. Mm. I like Chester on a personal note. I had a winner there, another bat one, beat Michael Owens or there. <laughs> was fantastic for me. So ro- roll on. <laughs> lucky you, lucky you, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> you needed a bit of stand a bit of um Charlie's yeah, understand. Well. Um yeah, Chester's a great cause. It's some atmosphere. There yeah, exactly. Well. Do you know um, do you know what? In all serious, it is great to see that they are take showing a bit of initiative. And they're going to say, right, this is what we're going to do. Mm. And if we're going to look to get 5,000 people in, we are going to look to COVID test the, the spectators come in. We are going to stagger the, the times that they can come. But look, we want spectators here for Chester Racecourse. Yeah, they're a very proactive course. And they've shown that once again. And fingers crossed we can get racegoers back because we really, really miss the racegoers and the owners, etc. And it's just not quite well. Of course, it's not the same without them. So... As I say, fingers crossed that can happen. Um, Stan, in a few moments' time, well, towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you for your Cheltenham anti-post selection to join the Studs Up stable for that. Um, so get your thinking caps on. I know you've been doing your research on who you think will win the uh, the Gold Cup, I think, is the race yes. we're going to uh, get a winner from you on. So um, we'll ask you that in a moment. But let's just go through some of these horses, Chaz, on, on this weekend, because it is a belter. I think the general theme for this weekend is horses on sort of redemption missions, because you've got Goshen, who was well beaten last time. Surname pulled up last time. Clanders Oboe beaten in his race, the King George. Lost in translation, looking to get his career back on track. Champ we haven't seen for ages. So there's loads of question marks, which is why this is such a fascinating weekend of racing ahead of Cheltenham. Surname, is he the real deal in your going off his Going off his last run at Kempton, it happens. It happens. Going on his one before the Charlie Hall, mate. Let me tell you, he put all critics to bed. I watched it. Mm. The way Harry Cobham just cruised him into the race and almost took the mickey to win the race was was brilliant. I think he'll take all the beating, and, and, and rightly so, because for him to now, like I said, Ollie, it's the stepping stone to go to go to the next place, which is Cheltenham, and I think he'll do that coming this weekend. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's going to take a world of beating. Matt Denman Chase... Um, on Sunday, you've got Klander Zobo, the game spirit, you've got uh, Champ, but Klander Zobo is taking on lost in, in translation in the Denver chase, and then you've got the Betfair hurdle as well. Just on Goshen, because he's a horse I really, really like, and actually we'll get to it in the studs up double, but he had um, what's called cardiac arrhythmia or, or atrial fibrillation, I think it is, which is where he has an irregular heartbeat in the run. And weirdly, it's happened to quite a lot of good horses through their careers. Sprinter Sacra had it. So that was the excuse for his poor showing last time out. There was a statistic that I read a few years ago, which is really interesting, I think. But horses who have that, and normally you hear of the high-profile horses that have it, but it's relatively common um, for horses to have it. Uh, But horses that have that always have, well, as a general rule, a good record next time out. It doesn't seem to hinder them in any way. And you think about that as a concept, it would be slightly, well, put a few people off, but I wouldn't let it put people off. The The, the statistics show that atrial fibrillation is not a, a stopper for horses moving forward. So I think we'll see the real Goshen uh, this weekend. And on his day, he is electric, that horse. So I'm hoping he can get his career back on track. So that's coming up um, this weekend. We'll get your thoughts as well in the studs up double a bit later on. We need to have a winner oh, in that. We're a stinker, aren't we? <laughs> this weekend this weekend it's going to turn I, I promise everyone um we'll get your thoughts on that in a moment we'll get stan's cheltenham anti-post selection we'll talk all the latest football news but that's half time and that means that next up the other side of the ref's whistle is charlie's rant mm-hmm. 
Chaz, what have you got for us well, then Well, listen, week? I'm going for this week for Charlie's rant. It was big, big news. Tuesday evening, the referee, Darren Drysdale, reaction to, to Mr. Judge's dive in the box as such. Listen, it got caught in the heat of the moment. Let's not blow it out of proportion. Yes, he's been been set aside for the weekend and he's been told to to have the weekend off or whatever. But don't punish the man. It happens. It's like two footballers having a, a Barney on the pitch. As soon as you come across that white line, it's forgotten. What they probably should have done, and both team, the Ipswich and the Referee Association, should have got them together after the game, shook hands, took a photo. Look, what happens on the pitch stays on the pitch. You know you can't do that, but let's move on from the situation. Yeah, and even Alan Judge said he didn't want anything to come of it. He said once the game was done, that was yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, because about. when you're on the pitch, it happens. Raw emotion. Again, this goes on about anything. It's the way it is, raw emotion. Get caught in the heat at the moment. But I, I've heard a lot of things, a lot of different sides of the argument. I've heard that argument. I've heard people say that refs shouldn't behave like that. Then I've heard people say that players... Exactly, need to here you go. Ollie, way refs shouldn't behave like that, no problem. The refs get serious amount of stick. I am a player, current... Current yeah, player. But, but give us an insight into it then. How how bad is it? How bad is the abuse that referees get on the pitch week in, week out? You're there. Of course it is. It absolutely pelters. Pelters. Bad decision. But that's no, not No, of course right, it's not. It? But you get caught up in the heat at the moment. You don't need me. Listen, there is a line. You obviously can't cross it. I totally get that. And he may have crossed it. But look, he's coming back. Just don't punish him for it. Don't overly punish it for it. I'm going to the referee Wednesday night. So that's never a foul ref. You're having one. He goes, ER Chaz, gives me the whistle. Going, do you want to ref the match? And I'm thinking, absolutely no chance. No chance. They get pelters. Stan, you'll know. You will know yourself. Referees get pelters. And they do a very good job, right, for what they can do. But I don't feel he should be punished too much. I feel like he should be we should brush this thing under the carpet, bring him back next week and move on. You know what? I've actually enjoyed it. I actually thought it's a, it's a bit, you know, what happened. He's playing in the referee. I know people talking about, you know what? We we get judged all the time now. Everybody have opinion. Everybody say the, I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of thought is, oh, you know what? This is entertaining. And like you say, we, we had a, Problems in the dressing room, on the pitch, as a, as a player, as a referee. You go, you shake yourself. But what I would say, is it good for the player to come out? By the way, there's no hard feelings for me. You know, it happened, it's gone, shake it. You judge, I, I know people say you judge by, by how you, you, you present yourself. And the referee's been doing well. He's done something that, you know what, people looked at it and, and they tried to judge him for that. Just give him a chance. Yeah. We're going to move on here on Studs Up because it's time for our weekly Studs Up hat trick, which is a quick fire round, Stan. So I want you to um, to answer these three questions and complete the hat trick um, that we ask our guest each week. Jack Cork started it off last week. He was brilliant. And um, also not pressure then. Now it's now, well, that's why I was trying to crank the pressure up there. Yeah, now it's your turn, Stan. Um, biggest influence on your career, who was it? My dad. He pushed me to, to become who I am. Uh, he was one of the old-fashioned dads. He will pay attention to every single detail for me. He will take me to training. He will watch me to training. He will analyze, uh, analyze the training. He will go to every game. He will watch the game. He will analyze. I will start getting in that car. If I don't do well, if he uh, realizes that I'm, I'm switched off, he will make me walk to back home from training. And he will drive behind me to show me that 
what I've done something wrong. So in my head, I'll always analyze, I'll actually always try to make myself better. So the man who pushed me to be who I am, uh, it was my dad because he wanted me to uh, be a, a good person first, respectful, and then become a different individual, strong individual. So I'll say my dad. What about the best player you've either played with or against? Who would it be? The best player I played with will be Henrik Larsson. I mean, another striker, uh, Charlie. He was a complete player. Uh, I had the, the pleasure to play with him for, for six and a half years. Uh, he taught me so, so much. I saw a person who worked and uh, was striving to have a success. Uh, he was in a different level. Uh, so I would pick Henrik Larsson. The, the, the player who I played against, I would pick two. And I'll pick two because I could never get closer than I mean, Obviously, I marked Ronaldinho. I, I marked a lot of players. It was two players. That's Aymar and Riquelme. This is the two players that I couldn't get near them. I've studied them. I tried to kick them. I couldn't even go near to kick them. They were always ahead of me. So if I have to pick one, I'll pick two. Aymar and Riquelme. One played for Villarreal and the other one played for Valencia. I mean, Charlie, you know them. Uh, until today, I could never go uh, beside them. They were the two players that I will pick the, the hardest one I've played against. And finally, to complete the hat-trick, bang this one in. What was the most embarrassing moment that's happened to you in your football career? Oh, wow. Wow. Bye-bye, uh, bye No, no. <laughs> I had... I'll tell you the embarrassing <laughs> moment. I, uh, we, went on a, we, went, uh, we, we parked our cars in um, a villa park. And we went, uh, we went on away game, guys. So we played the game. We, obviously, we travel, we stay overnight, we play the game, we come back. And then I'm looking, I'm looking, listen, guys, I'm looking for my keys. I'm looking for my keys, car keys. I can't find them. Then one of the boys say, Stan, your car is running. And I went, huh? I went to the car, guys, for nearly 40 hours. My car was running on the car park without me even noticing I don't have the keys. All the boys were like, oh my gosh, what is that? And I'm like, guys, I didn't even notice it. So I left the car with the keys running on the car park, went to the game, played the game and come back. There you go. There you go, guys. Charlie, have you done yeah. that before? I love yeah. it. You must have... There you no, go. No, Stan, I have not done that. But that... You've heard, He's got you've a driver, Stan. You're yeah, a Wally Bell. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Studs Up Hatchery. Thank you very much uh, to you, Stan, for that. Let's talk about some football news, though, um, with you, Charlie and Stan. Um, Champions League returned. Stan, just how, how, just how good is Kylian Mbappe, in, in your opinion? Uh, he's been exceptional for the last couple of years. I mean, his pace, his dynamic, his mobility. Uh, he, could give, uh, any, he would give anything different dimension. Uh, I love I love watching him. I think now when he pick, if you remember when Ronaldo and Messi were that pick, when he picks the, when they pick the ball, everybody was like on their feet. That's how I am with uh, Mbappe at the moment. Every time he pick he pick the ball, he just go. He makes something happen. I mean, his goals as well, his pace, his awareness. I love watching him. But you know what, guys? I was really really disappointed about seeing Messi not playing with the smile on his face. Hmm. This was, He's been like that all year, though. Yes, he? He this clearly is, this, doesn't want to be there. 
I'm a huge fan. Uh, I love him. Uh, I know that he's been going through difficult times, but moving from Mbappe to another one who's been exceptional for, for years, he's really disappointed to see that he's not have the smile on his face. And he's, I think we lose as a football fans and football people that we, we know the game. I think we lose of seeing Messi smiling and producing magic. Yeah, and I think, you know, we go from non-smiling Messi to Mbappe, the biggest smile on his face. Yeah. Stan, as a centre-forward, the other two goals he scored was great, right? But his first one, what I liked about it was the first touch was there that was a bit off, but his second was so sharp to create that half yard and bang, so quick. I always just try and... You try. You see the top players, and they always try and get half a yard, and look, he does that inside the new camp. Bosch, wallop. He, he was on fire the other night. And, and know, another player. Sorry, Stan. Carry on. But you know, you know, players like Mbappe because he's so quick, he's so sharp. You know, every time we play against players like that, you always stay off. You would like to to touch him. Yeah. You would like to tackle him because he's so quick off the mark. And my, he's finishing, like you're saying, extra yard, finish a straight away, take her with the right, push her with the left, finish with Bomb. the left. And this is, um, this is what the natural striker will do. Of course. And we go on about that, natural striker and pace. And I feel like we just can't, we have to talk about El Haaland, don't we? Because we go on about pace. That guy is pace and power. He's 6'4" technically feet unbelievable and finishing we've got i'm fortunate to play with stefan johansson at um qpr at the moment and he just said to me Chaz, he has got the potential to go to the very very top so if he's going to the very top killian and is going to the very top with ronaldo and messi going on to their to their to later on years it looks very exciting going forward but for me Haaland just looks deadly deadly in front of goal it's an exciting future because, you know what, uh, for a long time now we've been talking about when the time of Messi and Ronaldo will come, who is going to be the next, who is going to step up to the, to the plate. And now you can see so many exciting young players. I mean, if you talk about even the English talent, I mean, for the, you mentioned earlier, uh, for the Sancho, Grealish, Mount. I mean, you as a nation, guys, you have to be so excited having them. In your disposal, mm. it's, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and when you look at someone like Haaland's record, 18 goals in 13 Champions League games, 42 goals, I think, in 40 for Dortmund. Like it's, it's, the numbers are just frightening, really, for him at his stage of his career. And then you're right, Stan, the young players coming through in this country, it just makes being an English football fan an incredibly exciting period because that is a, a lineup that um, is, is full of latent talent. It'll be interesting to see how they... Progressed, but one man who we know was a hugely talented footballer has been in the news this week, Thierry Henry, because he's being linked to the Bournemouth job. What do we make of that? Um, Chaz, I'll start with you. Um, it'd be interesting. He's done his trade as such. He was at Arsenal under-18s, and then obviously he's gone to Belgium and, and followed with Martinez. And then he's gone to Montreal and done a good job. Maybe he wants to come back because he knows the English... The English leagues are where it's at. He wants to go to to Bournemouth and and do the job if if it comes up for him. Do I think he'll understand the understand the championship? I'm not too sure. That is my only opinion at the moment. Yeah, I've, 
I, I love seeing uh, a young manager, new names coming into, you know, to, to jobs, taking the, the challenges. It will be a challenging, like uh, Charlie mentioned about uh, the championship is a very, very difficult league. Very difficult league that you need to come out. You have to really understand about that. You know, as Thierry Henry, he will have a huge expectation. He will be asking for promotion. That's what he's going to be, uh, attitude he will be. But I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I think uh, uh, people should be given given a chance. Why not? You just gain experience. You get better by working and, and taking the challenges. You know, it may work for him. We know all the best. I think he will work because he don't have that mentality, winning mentality that can take Bottenham to, to the next level. Is management something that you thought about or something you want to do, Stan? Yeah, I, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it uh, at uh, some stage. I had uh, quite a few uh, offers from different parts of the world. I had a couple from uh, England as well in, in the lower leagues. Uh, it's something that I didn't think was right at that moment and I didn't think it could work for me. So I've definitely had that tension. I'm definitely looking to explore that because it is the closest thing. When we retire, is the closest thing you get to playing, being in a, on the pitch, uh, being around the dressing room, uh, excitement, you know, this is what we like to do. And I'd like to experience it. I did have the opportunity. I just haven't f- found the one that it could, it could work because for me, it's very important. But you feel like the time is right now to explore that opportunity. And what style of manager do you, do you want to be? Do you think you'd be? Well, I, I need to get Charlie first because I need goals and uh, he'll definitely <laughs> score goals. No, I will be, I will be attacking, uh, attacking-minded attacking uh, uh, manager, uh, well, uh, well prepared, uh, nicely regrouped uh, uh, of the ball. So I'm looking to, to play football that can excite not just the fan but the players as well because uh, I've worked with a lot of managers who come up with a very negative uh, peace of mind and you lose the fate of it. I think you have to be open, you have to be attractive, you have to make sure that the players like the way, the way you want to work and they understand the way you want to work as well. I have no doubt just from talking, not that I would ever know what it took, takes to be a good football manager, but, but I have no doubt just from talking to you, Stan, that you've got absolutely every attribute needed to be a success, not only in what you do on the pitch, but also the way you deal with people and players. And that's been taught to you by your father, the biggest influence on your career, but also other great coaches that you've worked under the likes of Martin O'Neill, etc. So, look, if that is on the horizon in the very near future, uh, on behalf of all of us on Studs Up, we wish you the best of luck with that and, and keep us posted. And um, we'll uh, we'll bring you to Cheltenham when we're allowed and we'll come and cheer you on at a game that you're managing, if, if that's all right with you. We'll have a, a fair swap. Yes. <laughs> Love it, guys. Perfect. Charlie, what's your, uh, what's your weekend plans looking like? Keep the good form rolling on for QPR? Yeah, we've got Bournemouth at home. Another big game. Listen, we've just got to keep keep the ball rolling and try and keep this momentum ticking over. Like I say, six games, five wins, one game at a time. That's all we can do. And enjoy the moment because that's what we're in at the moment. We're in a good, good reign of form and long may it continue, pal. Uh, right, we have, as always, a studs-up double for you. So back to the racing we go. And the studs-up double, uh, has we've hit the crossbar, I think it's fair to say. We've had a couple of winners each, I think, but never landed the double. And this weekend, um, Chaz, what are you going for for your leg of the double? Right, the 225 at Ascot. I'm going for the Kim Bailey, ridden by David Bass, New Tide. 
I they? recently, uh, recently, recently heard an interview after saying this. This was double after it, after they had a winner in the week, saying it was double entered, and uh, they'll pick the best race for it. So look, I'm going for it, and um, that's the horse I'm going for because he's an informed trainer. Due to did you have a winner early on in the week? I did, yeah. I, I have about one hair of the horse called Two for Gold that won at Warwick, um, trained by Kim Bailey, ridden by David Basso, the combination of, of your selection there, Chaz. And I, they've had another winner today on Thursday. We record this. Um, they are absolutely flying, that team. They've had a phenomenal year. So you've got the informed combination. And just on Two for Gold, the horse that, that um, I'm involved with, he's going to head to the top of my entry in a few weeks' time. He's going to miss Cheltenham. And he'll head to the uh, to the top of over the national fences. So um, there is no, you, you know, Chaz. There's no feeling quite like having a winner as an owner. It's just the most incredible buzz, and um, that was a thrill to watch that on um, on Monday. So new tide for Chaz. That's coming up at Ascot. I'm going to go for Goshen in the Kingwell Hurdle. I'm going to take a chance that he is um, he's back to his best, and um, hope that the issues that he's encountered this season have been overcome. Um, the statistics, as I say, for horses that have um, that heart issue that he experienced last time out, they seem to be pretty favourable. So put that behind him. And I think we'll see the brilliant Goshen at his very best on Saturday. So that is a studs up double. You can find mine and Charlie's racing selections for this weekend on Skybet. Just head to the specials tab in the horse racing markets and you'll see it under the studs up double. Given the prices that they are, you can go win, you can go each way, whatever tickles your fancy. But um, let's hope we can get... Um, get two in the back of the net this weekend uh, right Cheltenham is always on the horizon when it comes to studs up we've chatted about a few of the horses that are coming up and before we ask for Stan's Cheltenham anti-post selection Charlie we're going to take a look at one of the races because we've got I think it's four more studs up episodes before our finale Cheltenham show and so let's take a look at four of the championship races we'll do one each week and this week if we have a look at the uh, the big race on day one the champion hurdle uh, it looks to be between two mares in that race. Honeysuckle, the Irish champion, and Epitont, the reigning champion at Cheltenham, who has to put behind her what many would say was a disappointing performance at, uh, at Kempton over Christmas. How do you see that matchup going? Who would you rather be on going to Cheltenham? You'd have to say Honeysuckle, wouldn't you? Because mm. of the form we're going in. They've yeah. both got course form. Epitant won the Chapman Erdl last year, but you just have to go on form that they're in. And for me, Honeysuckle just just oozes class, mate. She really does. Do For me, I'm looking for an outside chance. I really am. Do, are we thinking Bouvardaire's going to run? Well, I, yeah, he will run, but I, you you just couldn't back him off what he did. I know he'll take a step forward, but he got beat by a horse rated much, much lower than these horses. I know, anyway. but like he's stuffed half the field, mate. He's stuffed half the field. For me, I, I, he's got a small chance. If they're offering four or five places each way, this Skybet people, then I'm all over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure come the day there will be plenty of offers flying around from um, from our good friends at Skybet. Uh, the the other horse I know I know I've mentioned him a lot this podcast, but Goshen is the only horse I think could be a massive springer in the market, and a lot will depend obviously on what happens on Saturday. Yeah. If he wins the Kingwell well, then yes, he will come straight back into the champion hurdle picture. Obviously, if he gets beaten, he won't be running in the race. But if he, as I say, if he runs a big race on Saturday, then he's a massive player again. I think because. 
Some of the horses that we talked about at the start of the year, the likes of St. Ois, Abracadabras, they haven't quite kicked on. So now you've got, when it started with a, a sort of a big pool of horses that could win it, it's become narrower and narrower and narrower. And to a lot of people, it seems as though it's a battle between the mares, Epiton and Honeysuckle. But if, as I say, if Goshen wins the Kingwell impressively, then he's a player in the champion hurdle. But a lot will be answered on Saturday. So I think we're in an agreement in, in the studs up um, dressing room. I think Honeysuckle is the horse we'd want to be on our ticket for the champion hurdle. Is that right? Yeah, definitely, Matt. I think she'll take all the beating and it's nice to nice to see us both on the same side for once. <laughs> we're always on the same side, mate. Always. Mm, yeah. You don't sound convinced. Well, the way it's going, it seems like you're the only one to have a winner in the studs. That's all about you, you know, mate. <laughs> So let's go, Honeysuckle. Uh, honeysuckle, but I'm telling you, Skybet, give me five places. Boover there, I'm with you. <laughs> Charlie's, uh, Charlie's put the call out. Um, right, Stan, your um, Cheltenham Antipost selections add to the, uh, to the growing list of guest selections. What have you got for us? I've, I've gone for the, a plus start and a Kenboy. And they're in the Gold Cup, the big race on the Friday, taking on Album Photo, the horse that's won the last two Gold Cups, but two Irish trained runners for Stan. And that is quite an attractive looking anti-post list that we're collating now. We've got a couple of Gold Cup selections from Stan taking on Ali McCoyst. He he was our first guest on Studs Up and he went for Royal Pagai in the Gold Cup. Did you ever play against Ali, Stan? Uh, I haven't played. I've been. Uh, I'm very good friend with uh, with Ali. Uh, I've played a couple of six aside against him. Uh, I love. I love speaking with him. He's a, what uh, what individual he is. A real character, isn't he? And um, he was kind enough to come on studs up as were you this week. Just tell us what are you up to. I know that you, as you said earlier, um, not sure whether it was an exclusive on studs up, but looking to get into management, which is very exciting. But what else is going on in in Stan Petrov's world these days? It's uh, busy at the moment. I'm, I'm involved in a very interesting project. It's called Player for Player. Uh, a few of us, me, Emil Heskey, Guys Kamendieta, Garrett Farley, and Michael, Michael Johnson, uh, decided to uh, help former players and current players to have a better transition to make sure that they understand and create opportunity, uh, opportunities for them. It's something that has been lacking for, for many years. I mean, uh, I've been retired now for nine years. I know how difficult it is. All of us has gone through uh, through these different different stages. We've made so many mistakes. So we want to give back and make sure that others won't make the same mistakes. And we'll, we'll use the opportunity there and advice that we can offer to them to get better transition and to have a more successful and sustainable career after they retire. That sounds like a great initiative. Charlie, that sounds... You look very inquisitive during that. It sounds like something that would appeal to lots of footballers, I imagine. Yeah, because I was, mate, because I was quite zoned in there because you don't hear about it. You don't. And as much as like the PFA said they're going to help you, Stan, I don't know if the PFA is something you've gone to or you, you guys have just done it off your off your own back and you, and they've looked to look for your, your help and your guidance as such. But I'll tell you what, the amount of players that go out of the game and, like you say, find don't find their way into different lifestyle and... Listen, we're we're like robots, mate. There's no Ollie. There's no. We're like robots. We're told what time to train, what time to eat, what time to go to bed, time for meetings, time. Do you know what I mean? Doctors' appointments, you name it. They do. The football clubs do it all, and the transition from playing to not playing anymore. The help so that Stan and the rest of his team can only benefit the rest of the lads. 
But it's, it's, it's interesting, Charlie, you're saying that. The moment you have a purpose and your purpose is to play football, to win games, to train, to, to develop, to make sure you stay fit. But when is that taken away from you? What, what is your next purpose? What is your hobby? Are you, are you going to be a coach? How many, how many jobs are available there? You would like to do some media? Yeah, it's good. But how many players are out there looking for the media? What is your other option? What is your other opportunities? Have you made the right deci financial decisions through your career? Not many have done. Not many had the chance to, to have a successful 10 years in a, financial, in a financial world of football. You know, other ones have to find opportunities. There's not many opportunities out there. And people, everybody judge you of, yeah, you've played football, you have the money, why is that a problem? There is a problem because you, we've got another 40 to 45 years to find another, another uh, next purpose or next uh, uh, new identification for yourself. You can't, it's very difficult to understand and to adjust to that kind of environment. And I couldn't agree anymore, Stan. And listen, when this COVID stuff kind of passes away, hopefully, and, and we can get people back into, into football clubs, I definitely feel that yourself and a member of your team should address all 92 football clubs. Doesn't matter if you play in the Premier League or in League Two, because they do need to hear your, hear your, your company's advice definitely. on that transition and need help I definitely would be something that I'd look into myself yeah we, we, we're working already with uh, with many clubs especially with, uh, with the young players and no, uh, it's interesting to see and it's, it's exciting because we got so much from football so we want to give something mm. back and you know sometimes it's so simple people saying oh, what why are you trying to do it? Because we know how difficult it is. Yeah. That's it. Well, it sounds That's like it. you're um, you're doing a great thing there. The next time we we hear or see your name might be on Sky Sports News or something being announced as the manager of a football club. So we will um, keep our fingers crossed. Fingers that, crossed, yeah, Ollie. Eh? Fingers, fingers crossed. crossed that you can get into um, into management. Love it, guys. Um, Stan, thank you very much for joining us. What a yeah. guest we've had on Studs Up this week an absolute superstar don't forget that this week's Skybed offer comes from the Grand National Trial at Haydock on Saturday uh, they're paying four places instead of three and there will be I'm sure some money back specials to be confirmed on Friday so plenty to keep your eyes out for we've got the studs up double that's on the specials tab in the horse racing markups um, horse racing markets easy for me to say new tide for Charlie Goshen for me and um, Charlie this weekend a big game for you hopefully uh, get Get a, another one in the back of the net, no doubt. Hopefully, mate. A goal, three points, but most importantly, a win is the main thing, mate. And if we can get that, like I say, keep going up the table. And hopefully, Austin goal, a QPR three points, and a studs up double romps home to victory for the listeners. And that's that's the thing that the listeners don't see and the, the viewers don't see is just how much Charlie loves studs up because... Before a game, after a game, he's always checking and seeing how the numbers are doing. And I've got to say, there are uh, loads of you that are tuning in, liking, subscribing. Keep doing that. Keep telling your friends because your support is hugely appreciated. And um, we want to keep studs up growing and growing. It's off to a flying start. Thank you very much, as always, um, for tuning in. And this has been brought to you by Ozchecker and Skybet. Thank you to Stan Petrov. Thank you to Charlie Austin. And thank you to you, as I say, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 